Michael. Here we are on a sunny day, once again, gathered on this sacred occasion to record a podcast. That's right. You are in a good mood right now. I'm fine. I'm just started just starting the podcast out with a good vibe, you know, doing my part. You don't understand how this works. You're in a good mood because I say you're in a good mood. Oh, I see. If only it did work that way. That'd be cool. Michael, Mm -hmm. how are you? Mm, I woke up from a nap. Typical. So I got that simultaneous feeling good because I was napping, but Mm -hmm. also feeling bad because now I'm aware that I'm not napping. (laughs) Yeah, the burden of consciousness, huh? I know, I know. I feel like that's kind of what this pod is all about, right? Yeah, that's one of many things it's all about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What else? I don't know. Went to a new breakfast place. Ooh la la. Yeah, it was cool. It was fine. It was fine. A lot of like kind of wealthy people there. I can tell they're wealthy because it's like older people with hair that looks like younger people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like hair is the one thing that doesn't age. I mean, that's not true. That's but... not true, but it's like the one thing that can be disguised Yeah. effectively. Sure with enough money and stuff but i would think that's that's still not true i still agree that it is a powerful signifier but there are so many other things teeth plastic surgery yeah 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 well you know i wasn't looking too closely that would have been rude, uh-huh you know? yeah but the breakfast was nice hell yeah they had this uh no whatever no one wants to know what i ate for breakfast <laughs> how are you Ava? today's topic what did michael have for breakfast <laughs> oh. uh, i'm doing pretty good i'm um i'm very sleepy i i went to a very wonderful shabbat dinner this weekend um and that was very magical but i don't go out very often so i'm very uh I'm like, oh, damn, doing things, huh? Exhausting. I know, it's weird. And I'm also, this week is just going to be so wild for me. I am flying out on Friday for the big Shell Mala weekend in Portland. Registration link in the description. And I'm going to be flying out at 5 in the morning and getting there at 1.30 in the afternoon. And our first event is at 6 that evening. So... In preparation for this, I'm going to try to reset my sleep schedule this week so that I'm naturally getting up at 3 a.m. the day, the time I'm going to have to get up on that Friday. Because it's not just like I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m., get on a flight, and then nothing happens. Like I have to wake up at 3 a.m., fly all day, and then have energy for an event in the evening. So I'm going to be doing some wacky sleep experiments this week, trying to wrench my biological clock into submission oh good luck thank you but you know other than that and enjoying the onset of fall i met someone at this shabbat dinner the other night who's doing their phd in medieval karite history oh i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna monopolize you for the duration of this party because i want to know everything well tell us what you know Well, all I really got time to learn because we didn't get time to talk until like after dinner. And by that time, it was already basically time for us to go home to let Ace out. Basically, all I learned is that Karaites in the 11th and 12th century in the northern Levant had a major community and were a religious force to be reckoned with. That's the period of time that this person studies. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to know more. I wonder if there was a moment where things could have swung 
the other way and like all the rabbinic Jews decided, no, we're got to be Karaite now. Right. And then we'd be talking about how cool and edgy the Talmud is. Right, oh, wait. right, right. Uh, well. <laughs> uh, yeah. So nothing would have changed. <laughs> Probably not. I have a song from the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend stuck in my head. Have you watched that show? No, I haven't yet. But uh, you know, it's a fun show to watch. Uh, the Chosen. I don't know what that it's a, basically a dramatization of the life of jesus and it's directed oh. by evangelical bro guy uh-huh. so it's kind of like a little jesus you're gonna have to miss me with that one i think no 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 you're it's 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 no 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 here's the thing here's the thing it's not as like trying to be real as a real deal as like mel gibson you know uh-huh. He who should not be named or whatever we're supposed right. to call. It's a little cowboy Jesus-y. But what's interesting is their representation of the Pharisees. Okay. I just think that's I'm kinda... so dubious. I, I don't think there's anything you could say right now that would get me on board. The costumes. No. No? Okay. I mean, I love a period piece, but... They talk about Hillel and Shammai. Who doesn't? Okay, they're all really good looking. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they're all super hot. Jesus is ripped. Um, No, but I haven't seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You should put it on your list. I mean, it's a lot. It's a big journey to go on, but I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking of a song they have in season three called Sexy Getting Ready Song. Oh. (laughs) Which they sing during a Sexy Getting Ready montage. Yeah, yeah, It's great. Michael. Yes. What treats have you brought me? All right. Well, I'm trying to continue the theme that we were on last week okay i'm starting to lose track of what the theme is reincarnation gender the soul it's like talmud you know right we're just gonna keep saying we're continuing from last week's theme and never say what it is okay well at one point last week i don't remember what we were talking about but i mentioned that you once mentioned to me that when the messiah comes Mm -hmm. we're gonna get a new torah Right. And a new alphabet, potentially. Oh, right. Right. The four-branch shin. The four-branch shin. We might have discussed the four-branch shin off-pod, but you all know out there the four-branch shin on the side right. of your tefillin, right? Well, on the outside of it. Outside tefillin. of the film. Yeah. It's only on the inside when you put it inside your tefillin case. Your shin guard, if you will. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> the point is, that could be one of the new letters we're going to kind of know about. Right. And I have a little bit more info on this. I have a feeling you might already know this, and I feel like the real hardcore Kabbalah people out there might already know this stuff, because I kind of bet it's like basic bitch kind of stuff that you learn when you first get into Kabbalah. We all have to start somewhere. I didn't know it, and I think it's cool, even if it is entry-level stuff. Tell us more. Okay. Ecclesiastes. There's this line, Ecclesiastes 51.8. Even if a man lives for many years, let him enjoy himself in all of them, remembering how many the days of darkness are going to be. The only future is nothingness. Another banger from Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Not a very, like, happy... My soul is just a black abyss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think typical Ecclesiastes, right? This yeah. Is standard issue, depressing... Mm-hmm. But for some reason in Kohelet Rabbah, so we're talking about some Midrash 
on Ecclesiastes. It goes verse by verse, written somewhere between the 6th and 8th centuries. On this verse we just read, they explain it this way. For if a man lives many years, that's the quote from Ecclesiastes, let him rejoice in the joy of the Torah and remember the days of darkness. These are the bad days, as there will be many. The Torah that a person studies in this world is vanity relative to the Torah of the Messiah. I don't know how they jumped from that to that, but somehow they were able to, from this kind of depressing line, say, the Torah we know now, perhaps now being the dark days, I'm not sure, is going to pale in comparison to the Torah that will be revealed by the Messiah or brought by the Messiah. Okay. Are you deep in something? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just trying to think about this verse. It's just, a, it's, a, it's, it's interesting for the Kabbalists to say, like, the Torah we have now is basically like Torah for losers. It is a little interesting, and there's many explanations that they're not exactly saying that. We can get to that. Okay. There's another section of Midrash I want to bring in. I'm not going to read it, but you should be aware of it. Vayikra Rabbah 13, okay. uh, section 3. So Vayikra Rabbah is also a Midrash probably from the same time period, maybe 500 CE, and it's a midrash on the book of Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And there's this discussion that the rabbis are having about what happens at the end of the world. And they're talking about this battle that the righteous, maybe everyone, but for sure the righteous are going to witness between all the mythological creatures like the behemoth and the leviathan and Wow. I hope there's enough Leviathan left for the dinner table. <laughs> well, this is all related. So we've talked about how we're going to eat Leviathan at the end of the, you know. Right. Apocalyptic feast is like one of our number one topics on this show. For sure. Real fun. So what's going to happen is we're going to witness this battle and the animals are going to kill each other. We're going to be witnessing like Roman Colosseum style, basically blood sport. Fucked up if true. Yeah. Fucked up if true. And then we're going to eat the meat. Mm-hmm. Seems trafe. Exactly. So one of the rabbis oh. says, well, like, what's the deal? Isn't this unclean? And then Rabbi Avin Bar Kahana says, the Holy One, blessed be he, as it says in Isaiah 51.4, a new Torah will emerge from me, meaning a new renewed Torah will emerge. And so presumably that will have new laws that will address these questions that we can't really address that involve the end times. Right. Like eating the spoils of Mythical Deathmatch, Mythical Thunderdome Buffet, episode title. So we're going to get a new Torah, and it's going to tell us all the rules of eating this gladiatorial spoils. Right, 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 right. There's a lot of commentary here from all sorts of places about what this new Torah means. Chabad seems to be of the opinion it's not like a new Torah Torah. It's like a deeper level of Kabbalistic stuff. Right. We'll just get it in a new way. Yeah, we're just going to get it in a new way. That raises some challenges. And it's not that the Mashiach is going to bring a new Torah and it's going to be somehow better than the old Torah, but it's going to be like, if you understand the new Torah, the old Torah will be self-evident. One of the metaphorical examples were like, well, if you know all the secrets of the tefillin, by knowing those secrets, you'll know why it has to be a box, why it has to be black, why it has to have the shins here and there. Right. Okay. Seems kind of a ripoff as an explanation. Also, the problem it raises for me is if the only thing that's going to change is our knowledge of the Torah... And in the future, we're going to be able to eat the results of animal-animal combat. That means I already know 
one of the things about the new Torah and that that stuff should be kosh now. Well, it's not just animal-animal combat. It's mythical-animal-mythical. I see. So they need to be mythical. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a very specific battle-eating okay. situation. So Okay. Now we get into no more sources, just like a whole bunch of sources in my brain, and I'm just going to shoot at you. Great. General Blast violence. me. So where does this new alphabet come from? You've told me this before, but there's this idea. When God gave the Ten Commandments and the Torah to Moses on the mountaintop, right. obviously we get the tablets engraved, but how does the Torah get transmitted? And apparently it was written white fire with black fire. Right. Classic. Classic, classic. So the white fire is the kind of the parchment and the black fire is the letters. Moses eventually, you know, writes it all down. He writes down the black fire letters on some parchment. And that is the tendril of Torah that is available to us to directly right. interact The material with. manifestation of the supernal Torah. Kabbalists fucking love the word supernal, or at least their translators do. Well, it's a good word. It's fine. There's this idea that what the new language is is related to what that white fire is. Got it. So it's like a step closer to actually what was happening with the fire. Yes, yes, yes. Because the Torah, I mean, it's the Torah, but it's also much more than what we think of on a day-to-day -day basis as the Torah, right? The Torah pre-existed. Right. It's like a mushroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're good. The Torah think... is just the fruiting body of the Torah. Yes, 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 yes. There's a we're mycelial... gonna get the mycelial Torah. Yes, we're gonna get the mycelial Torah, and that's the white fire. So that's the white space around right. the letters. Which is why mycelium is white. Actually, little known fact. Okay, yes, there you go. And so, if two letters in a Torah are touching, that's bad. It means it's not a kosher Torah, right? Like, there right. needs to be the white space around the Torah. Right. Don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams, and. If you think about uh, the letter shin, mm -hmm. and you imagine the white space around the shin. Okay. Like, imagine you drew a circle around a shin. Right. And imagine the white space. So, the white space is the four-branched shin. Yeah. If you, Got like, it. took it. They're, like, interlocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you took a shin, added four heads to it, flipped it upside down, you could, like, interlock it into a regular shin. Right. Torah Legos. <laughs> Yes, Torah Legos. Like if you were to pour molasses over a shin, like you put right. a shin at the bottom of your bowl, right? <laughs> and then pour in polyurethane resin, cure it under UV light yes. for six to eight hours. Extract the original shin. What you'll have is like a four-headed uh, shin. shin. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind a of A supernal like, shin. Yes, a supernal shin. Imagine that that four-headed shin on the side of the tefillin is kind of linked to the white fire of the Torah, is linked to, you know, the white space around the letters that will mm -hmm. come to be revealed when the Messiah comes. Got it. Okay. So basically, it's like a glimpse into the the future alphabet. Yeah, it's like a glimpse into the future alphabet. It's a, at least a glimpse into the visual representation of maybe what some of the knowledge we're going to get from the deeper revelations of the Torah will be. I'm loving it. Yeah, I like that too. Another thing that's kind of interesting is that there's this kind of poetic connection between how we think of the Torah as being written Mm -hmm. And we think of the Ten Commandments as being inscribed. What the difference between those two is, and like inscription being like the removal of stone, it's like written in air, it's actually mm -hmm. kind of written in the negative space. Right. And That's cool. 
how that is related in some ways that like the negative space around the letters is the white fire. Right. Whoa. These guys were high as hell. I don't know what they were on, but they were on something. It may have just been some like fucked up wine, but it was something. I know. It's very weird. I love it. I don't know how to get into that headspace. You know, I don't know if I'm able to. Well, mushrooms. Yeah, definitely. Mushrooms. For sure. Frequent theme on this show. Yeah, 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 for sure. Which this episode in particular. Might get decriminalized in Massachusetts, which would... Wild. Mazeltov, Massachusetts. That would be so Massachusetts. cool. There's another thing I wanted to bring you related to this. Rabbi Abraham Isaac Cook, who was the chief Ashkenazic rabbi of British Palestine back in Yes, the- good old Rav Cook. Have, have you heard of Mr. Cook? Yeah, he's like super famous. People are quoting him all the time. Some people think he was great. He said a lot of fucked up shit. I'm sure he did. And sometimes he said something that was pretty clever. So he says in something, every letter in the Torah scroll must be completely surrounded by parchment. We've already went over that. Blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. It's analogous to the white fire of Sinai. Blah, 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 blah. The distinction between white and black fire also sheds light on God's call to Moses. The voice summoning Moses to enter the tent was, in fact, the divine call from Sinai, an infinite call that never ceased. Okay, neat. This voice was not a revelation of Torah, but an overture to its revelation. So very John the Baptist vibes, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, for- right. Yeah. It belonged to the esoteric white fire of Torah before its constriction and revelation into the physical world. So there's the idea that the esoteric white fire of the Torah constricted and maybe, you know, allows for the black fire to stand out and become the letter. So there's, you know, there's the, there's a relationship between this white fire, black fire. We can see the black fire. The white fire is a little bit more mysterious and the kind of whole sephirot you know, constriction. Right. It's like another Simsum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Shabbat dinner I was at, someone read an excerpt from Rabbi Moses Cordovero, who's another Kabbalist, who was talking about how light is only revealed when it's concealed. It's like trying to look at the sun. When you look at the sun, its shape is concealed by its brightness. But when you put a screen between you and it, then you're actually able to see it more than you would be able to see it if it were fully revealed. There you and go. And that's like how Torah and embodiment work. Very Seems mysterious. true. Checks out. In yeah, my checks experience. Out, checks out. Last uh, section, he says, this is the reason that Moses made the olive of the divine call smaller. Since it belonged to the realm of white fire, the summons required an extra measure of white space over the black ink. Superficially, Moses' miniature olive humbly implies a diminished state of the revealed Torah of black fire, but on a deeper level, it reflects an increase in the esoteric Torah of white fire. So I believe this is a drosh on somewhere in the Torah, there's an olive that's written a little bit smaller than usual, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Or maybe just the Aleph in general is a small letter? I believe the the Aleph is at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Let me double check that really quick. Small Aleph in Vayikra. Yes, I believe this is referring to the small Aleph at the beginning of Vayikra of Leviticus. Gotcha, gotcha. The small gotcha. if, if you will. The small if. So this is an explanation that says that it's the esoteric white Torah that that precedes the perhaps more human consumable black fire letter Torah that we eventually get. Wow. Which is itself surrounded by the white fire. So you kind of get both, but you you get it, you get it. Right. Damn. That's all very cool. 
I like all of this. I think I'm left in a state. I'm often left with these mystical revelations and teachings, which is just like, mm, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, which maybe I just need to like digest it for another decade. And in 10 years, I'll be thinking, oh my God, thank God I learned about the tiny olive so that it's been gestating to this moment. Because I do have experiences like that sometime where, where something I learned a long time ago like takes a long time to ripen. Yeah, I, I get that from this too. It reminds me a lot of one, talking to Sam, and mm -hmm. two, going to the movies, especially like a horror movie, and walking mm -hmm. out and being like, what did I get from this? And then you mull on it, and then eventually... You think about how it's all a metaphor for the collapse of American manufacturing. Uh, yeah, that's generally where I tend to go with it. But... <laughs> that's only the case for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what it's really about. In the case of this Torah stuff, what's different from it than a horror movie is that at least I don't feel fucked up in the same oh, way. Right, you don't feel weird and scared after consuming mystical Torah. No, I feel like something like this is perfect for the fall time. You hear a poorly explained version of some Kabbalistic knowledge, right? And then you convalesce for fall and winter. Yeah, you, you have some And then tea. when summer comes, you've got your summer Torah body ready. Yeah, yeah you got yourself, <laughs> exactly. It's like after I hear this, all I want to do is kind of watch a show and have some hot cider, you know? Right. Oh, hot cider. That Doesn't that sound nice? nice? That sounds pretty yeah. good. Well, this was a lovely journey. I'm so glad we went back and revisited the four-branched shin and, and all of that good stuff. And it is following up on last week's theme of like embodiment, ensoulment. Listeners, you'll find a link to register for a Shomala weekend in Portland in the description of this episode. I hope you are all keeping warm and toasty in these challenging times, we will leave you with a wish of Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.